from Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. If you got a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. we got a few little scriptures today, but this is kind of key, I think, for the goal of today. It says this in verse 1 and 2, Ephesians chapter 5. Follow God's example. If I could change a term there, a title there of God, I would say this for this morning. Follow the Father's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Bow your heads. And just as we close our eyes to pray, would you just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Whether you are a father or a mother, maybe you're a young adult, you're single, maybe you're old, your kids are grown and gone off, regardless of your role in life, just call and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning. Holy Spirit, speak. Holy Spirit gives us ears Give us ears to hear what you want to say to us this morning. That you would lead us as a church closer to you, closer closer to following God's example. I pray, Spirit of God, we would be mindful of the place you've positioned us in life. And we'd seek to serve you, imitate you, and glorify you to the best of our ability, offering our lives as a living sacrifice, surrendering all as we sung today. Holy Spirit of God, in Jesus' name, amen. I got a text message this week from Jody. If you don't know Jody, she's my wife, and she was schooling Joshua. Joshua is our second born. And he had to tell an oral narrative, and she had to write it down as, as he talked. And this is what he what he chose to share and what she wrote down. And she texted to me. She said this, or it says this. He said this. One of them said this. This is what I got. One night, a few months ago, I was in my cozy bed downstairs in my room, and I was having a bad dream. It was a dream about Satan being a venomous snake. Some of you will remember I shared this a few weeks, months back. He said, the big snake was green and black. It had big red eyes. And in my dream, it was, like, it was light like morning, and I was outside of my house playing with my friends. Then I was going to tell my daddy something when I saw the venomous snake, so I told him to watch out. He didn't watch out. And so the snake slithered around his legs, knocked him out. Next, the snake started going for my head. I ran as fast as I could, but then it got me, and it was making a sound when it came to us. What this story is telling me about is that Satan is going for my dad to knock him out, so then the snake is able to get to me. I felt really scared. It's a warning dream for daddy to try and keep me safe from Satan and for him to guard my mind. I guard my mind for me, sorry, for me to guard my mind. I guard my mind to make sure no bad thoughts come in by reading my Bible and memorizing Bible verses. So we were pretty struck by this, and I shared this a few months ago. But we were pretty struck by this, that this had such impact on him that he chose to write about it with such detail again. 
And what hit me was, is I was just beginning to prepare for this Sunday and reflect on today as Father's Day and sharing about the importance of fatherhood. And here was a reminder of the importance of fatherhood from the mind of a child. Fathers have incredible importance. And this conversation is for everyone, whether or not you are a dad, whether or not you are male or female. What we think about dads and the role of fathers is important. Now, disclaimer, a couple things. Number one, don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't try to read between lines that aren't there. When I speak to fathers, I am not speaking to mothers. I'm not saying that these two roles are mutually exclusive. Sometimes we have presupposed ideas in our minds so that when someone brings up one role in the home, they automatically think they're condemning the other. I'm not doing that. So if that's where your mind goes, that's on you. Are you with me? Now also, I know many of us have had experiences with our own father that may be traumatic or may not be the best. Or we look back and we think about this day, maybe we lost a father and it brings pain. I want you this morning to hear me when I speak of the Heavenly Father. Because as Pastor Zoe shared and she prayed about the good father, he is a father who fills in the gaps. And people are people, and that means we're broken, we're sinful, we all make mistakes, even the best of us. But the Heavenly Father is perfect in all of his ways, and he loves you dearly. So with that, here's why this is an important conversation. It's important because it shapes our view of God. Scriptures declare that God is our Father, and our experience with and understanding of fathers often shapes our view of God. And we project onto God often our experiences with our own Father. It's an important conversation because fathers have an incredibly undervalued role in home and in church. Whether that's the church's fault, whether that's the home fault, we just undervalue the role of fathers often. Number three, it's important because the role of father is under attack in our society. God designed men to be fathers. Coded within our DNA, our structure, our innate design is the ability to be a father. A woman cannot be a father. Fathers are needed. Number four, because the function of the family is under attack, which scriptures show that the father is the head of the home. Our culture is manipulated and poisoned the family structure. No longer is the nuclear family, father, mother, and children seen with value, but it's undervalued. It's seen as archaic and out of date. In 2004, there was an article, a headline in The Independent, the UK, that said, fathers are no longer required. This is 2004, almost 20 years ago. Fathers are no longer required because fertility chief singles, signals sorry, an IVF revolution. Now, of course, there are situations um, and, and family shapes that are different than the nuclear family, some of which cannot be helped, right? Somebody loses a parent, loses a father, loses a mother, and it shifts the dynamic of the home, of course. That's a sad reality, but that is not the reality that we shoot for and we aspire for. There are gaps to be filled. And in, in, in those cases, I would suggest that the church is supposed to fill those gaps. So when I speak to fathers, I'm speaking, I'm speaking to men. 
Because there's men here that maybe you are not a biological father. There's no child in your life, but there are children in the house of God that need mentorship, that need spiritual fathers, that need people to come, and spiritual brothers, spiritual older brothers, to come alongside them and invest and pour into their life. It's an important conversation because fathers and spiritual fathers are needed for discipleship. Fathers play a unique role in discipling a family. One study of Christian homes showed that if a mother does not go to church, but a father does, a minimum of two-thirds of their children will end up attending church. In contrast, if a father does not go to church, but the mother does, an average of two-thirds of their children will not attend church. Yet, knowing that, Father's Day is the holiday with the single lowest average church attendance. And Mother's Day next to Easter and Christmas, has the highest church attendance. It's important conversation for young men because young men need to adopt now in your thinking the importance of value of fathers so that you are better prepared for when you may be a father. It's important for young women, for women and mothers, because the societal trend is elevating the role of women and motherhood over the role of fatherhood. Both have different value and different function. There are things that women can do that men cannot do. There are things that men can do that women cannot do. There are measurable things mothers can do. I've witnessed it four times over firsthand that fathers cannot do. I'm telling you, I have a child right now that it is impossible for me to put to sleep. We're getting there. There are things that fathers can do that mothers cannot do. And finally, it's important for the church because we need spiritual fathers. We need men who grow in the Lord, men full of the Spirit who lead in the church and pour into people who are in need of mentorship. And I think one of the biggest gaps in the church today, period, is mentorship. We're not coming alongside one another like we should the church as a whole. We're not looking to sharpen one another. We're not looking to invest in somebody. We come and what do we do? We are gluttons of spirituality. We come and we consume and then we go as fattened spiritual cows and then have a week of life and then come back and try to do the same. But the Bible calls us to what? To invest, to pour, to mentor, to build, to make disciples. And if we can't do it in here, how are we going to do it out there? We're called to make disciples of all nations, and if we can't do it in our own house, it ain't going to happen in all nations. So it's an important conversation for the church. Dads matter. Now, here's the fun and wild thing about fatherhood. This isn't just a religious conversation. This isn't just a church conversation, but social scientists have mapped and studied the effects of fatherhood, and it's insane when you look at the studies. It's insane the amount of statistics that are out there on the impact and the role of fathers in the life of a person. It's alarming. Father-deprived children are 72% of all teenage murderers, 60% of rapists, 70% of kids incarcerated, twice as likely to quit school, 11 times more likely to be violent, three of four teen suicides, 80% of adolescents in psychiatric hospitals, 90% of runaways. It goes on. 20 times more likely to have behavioral problems. 10 times more likely to abuse substances, 
Nine times more likely to drop out of high school. One-tenth as likely to get A's in school. Dads matter. Studies have shown that the success or failure of employees in the workplace can be traced back to what kind of father they had. Wow. Children who have contact with their followers, fathers following a family breakup have fewer behavioral problems. Boys in particular are more impacted by fatherhood. Boys are more disadvantaged without the emotional presence of a man in their lives, according to research. The National Fatherhood Initiative did apparently the most comprehensive collection and review of stats and research on the extent and impact of fathers and the role of fathers and the presence of fathers ever assembled. And they concluded that this, children on average achieve better outcomes when they have an involved, responsible, and committed father in their life. Children who live with their fathers are less likely to be poor, use drugs, experience educational, health, and emotional problems. Less likely to be victims of child abuse. Did you know that fathers are not the ones most likely to abuse their children? But when a father is in a home, a child is less likely to be abused. Dads matter. Women with absent fathers are more likely to have children to absent fathers. Infant death within the first 28 days of life is four times higher with an absent father. Daughters are less likely to engage in risky sexual behavior when they have a consistent contact and a sense of closeness with their dads. Dad's involvement during pregnancy positively influences health outcomes for mom, dad, and baby. Now here's the icing on the cake. The study said, or sorry, the National Fatherhood Initiative said, if we go a step further and ask the research and data to tell us what living arrangements make it most likely that a child will have an involved, responsible, and committed father, we get one answer, marriage. That's weighty, eh? And that's heavy. Why did you do this on Father's Day? (laughs) Thank you for making my day so swell. Because you matter. You have incredible value. You have an enormous responsibility. And speaking anecdotally, it doesn't stop at 18 years old. Biblically, fatherhood matters. The greatest example in Scripture of fatherhood and what reveals God's heart towards fatherhood is God Himself. God calls himself our father. The first person of the triune God is Heavenly Father. Isaiah 64, verse 8. Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. Jeremiah 31, verse 9, they will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father. Proverbs 3, verse 12, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples how to pray, he called them to address God as father. 
Matthew 6, verse 9, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Throughout the Gospels, first four books of the New Testament, Jesus makes more than 150 references to God as Father. In fact, almost every recorded prayer we have of Jesus praying, he addresses God as Father. We often don't have a problem seeing God as our Creator, the author of all things, the beginning and the end, the Almighty, the sustainer of life, the omniscient one, our Savior, Counselor God, the holy, perfect God, but foundationally, Scripture revealed that we are to think of Him as Father. In a few instances, God is referred to as Abba Father. This is the term Jesus used when He was in the garden, and He's in agony, and He's in stress as He's about to face the cross. And if you remember the scripture, remember the passage, he's calling out to God in agony, asking if the cup would be taken from him, but not his will be done, but the Father's. And he cries out, Abba, Father. This was significant to hear during this time because Abba, Father, signifies close, intimate relationship between a father and a child. It, used, it was used to express affection from a child to a father. So for a rabbi... Jesus, to use this during this time was unheard of because the Jews didn't consider Father a characteristic of God. According to some Jewish scholars in the Old Testament, Father is generally a metaphor. But Jesus assumed this deep relationship with God as intimate Father. God is Father. So a biblical definition of fatherhood begins and it ends with God. I got four thoughts and then we're going to close in prayer, and I'm going to pray for men, and I'm going to pray for fathers. First one is this. A father shows unconditional love. When I say kids, and when I say raising kids, your kid might be like 40, 50 years old, okay? You may have grandkids and great-grandkids. Just keep that in mind. I'm not defining kids as, in my perspective, young. Kids are your children regardless of their age. A father shows unconditional love when you are raising kids or interacting with your older adult kids. Your kids need to know they are loved and accepted by you no matter what. They need unconditional love for you. That means there are no conditions attached to the love. No strings attached. Doesn't matter if they're not like you doesn't matter if they don't do what you like. doesn't matter if they don't listen to you. doesn't matter if their lifestyle ended up different than yours. doesn't matter if their faith is different than yours. They need to believe that you are for them and there for them no matter what. The Heavenly Father has done this for us. We've been adopted into the family of God because of God's unconditional love for us, despite our sinful ways. We are made sons and daughters because of his son, Jesus, even though we are, were rebellious sinners. Romans 8, 14 starts off like this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 1 John 3, verse 1, See what great love the Father 
has lavished on us that we shall be called children of God. Scriptures say, while we were still sinners, God in his love sent his son to die for us. That there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you did. I don't care what that thing is that nobody knows about. He loves you. And that's why we have the cross of Jesus, because the cross represents God's love while we were sinners in the sense that he says you can't attain salvation for yourself. There's no absolute way that you can get heaven on your own merit. So I'm going to come because I love you. You may be rebellious. You may be sinful. And I, as a just God, need justice. So I'll come myself and pave away unconditional love. Number two, a father leads by example. How many of you have said before, do as I say, not as I do? Slipped out of my mouth once or twice. But I say to you, do as I do, as I model for you. Kids learn, people learn from the example lived before them. And as a father, you have a responsibility to show your kids how life works by setting the example of life and faith. You don't point the way. You lead the way. Leaders lead. That's why they're called leaders. You want to be the head of a home? Lead by example. Don't point. Don't say this is what. Lead. Do it. Live it. Lead the way. Paul, as a spiritual father to the church in Corinth, said it this way, 1 Corinthians 11. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He says, follow my example. Follow how I live and do it as I follow Christ. God set the example, the ultimate example, and we're encouraged to imitate what we see in him. I read it at the beginning, Ephesians 5, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. God said, 1 Peter 1, and in the Old Testament as well, be holy as I am holy. He's calling us to follow his example. Fathers, part of your role as a father, is to provide an example for your children. And the unfortunate, scary reality is, and many of you know this, often, more often than we'd like to admit, what we see produced in our kids, apart from those personality traits, which there's a lot of them, apparently there's 400 plus personality traits that will come out in child's life throughout their maturity. Side note. But most of what we see in our kids is because of what they've seen in us. Lead. Your conduct, your speech, your actions, your devotion to faith. Monkey see, monkey do. Don't expect something from your child that you are not doing yourself. Don't expect something from your adult child that you're not doing yourself. Don't expect something from your teenager. Don't expect something from your grandkids that you're not doing yourself. Lead. And don't expect your spouse to lead. I'm not talking about spouses. I'm not talking about wives. I'm not talking about the role. But I would say this. Do you know how Paul in the scriptures, there's a few instances where he says, this is me, not the Lord. Okay, this is, this is Pastor Paul, not the Lord. Be a man. And that, I don't, I don't whatever stereotype comes in your mind, push, push that aside. Just, just, just lead. Don't expect somebody else to do it in your home. Don't expect anybody else to do it because 
What if nobody else does it? What are you going to do one day? Say, well, it was somebody else's responsibility? No, you were father? Step up. Lead the way. Number three, a father provides for his family. After the fall of mankind in Genesis chapter 3, God gave man and woman the consequence for their sin. He looked to Adam and he said this. He says, because you listened to your wife and you ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. He goes on to say, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. To Eve, he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So the consequence here is part of the curse of the fall. In Christ, we are redeemed from the curse of the fall because Jesus became a curse for us. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. So in Christ, when we remove the curse and we remove the consequence, we still see the function. The man's function was the provider. He was going to work. The role of the woman was to bear children. Notice what he says. He says, curse will be the ground and you will toil as you work it. He says to the woman, I will increase your pain in childbirth. New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. When you do not provide... Fathers, I'm speaking to you this morning, soon-to-be fathers, one-day fathers, grandfathers, men. When you do not provide, you have denied the faith, Scriptures say, because we serve a heavenly Father who provides. We serve a heavenly Father who provides. Now, I wholeheartedly believe that the man is the head of the house, the leader in the home, And in loving union with his wife, who is not subservient to him, but an equal partner and a co-worker with Christ. I hardly believe that. And if in that partnership there's an understanding that is made where the wife first season, for whatever reason, will be the main provider, so be it. Some wives just make more money. God bless you. Praise be to God. Thank God for that. And that's okay. That does not mean that the husband becomes slothful. That does not mean that the father slacks off. That does not mean that the father expects all those stereotypical wife roles are still on the wife and he does none. You tracking with me? That does not mean that he neglects his God-given role following God's example to provide for the needs of his family. Fathers provide. Now, in mind here, it's not just physical needs. It's spiritual needs as well. It's emotional needs as well. We do well in our society as men to bring home the bacon. Bacon tastes really good. For some of us. Some of you don't like it, and that's okay. That's fine. Where we fall short 
is providing for the spiritual needs of our family. Generally speaking, in most homes, the spiritual leader often has fallen on the woman or the wife or the mother. And I'm not saying that women can't lead. And I'm not saying that women can't set an example for their kids. I had a great example of faith in my mother. But what I am saying is that men are called to provide for the spiritual needs of their family. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, instead of, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes with the Lord. Here's the principle of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. This is a father, King Solomon, speaking to his son. Train up a child in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Fathers, you have a responsibility to teach and to lead and to disciple children in the way of Jesus. Again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, mothers, you don't have a responsibility as well, because you do. Anyone, the scriptures say, anyone who does not care for the needs of the family. But I'm speaking to fathers this morning. You have a responsibility to lead your home in things of God. It is on you to be the spiritual head of the home. One survey found that if a child is the first person in the household to become a Christian, there's a 3.5% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. If the mother was the first one to become a Christian, there's a 17% probability that everyone in the household will follow. However, if the father is first there is a 93% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. Don't tell me dads don't matter spiritually. So what does this look like? I'll give you a quick example. Practice consistent, regular family worship together. It's never too late to start. Lead your family in reading regularly the scriptures, praying and calling out to Jesus together. The easiest place to do this is at the dinner table because usually people get together around food, right? But don't limit it to grace. Don't limit it just praying for the food. That's not leading people spiritually. That's leading people in grace over the food. And often, if we're being honest, we just say a, re a repetition pattern that we kind of spouted out since we were kids. Maybe we're not really thinking about that as we pray over our food. But lead them regular in the reading the Scriptures Share about God's godliness. Use the car ride. Use a moment. Use a circumstance. Use a crisis to pray with your kids. Even if they don't want to do it. Even if they're not interested. Just do it. It's Nike for you. Just do it. Pick up your Bible. Say, guys, we're going to read a scripture today. We just got this little catechism book. It's $3 for kids. It's $3 on Amazon. It's not expensive. And all it does is it reads a question, gives you an answer. And we're doing that over our meals just to get more into our kids. If your kids are teenagers and you've never done this before, start. They'll go and grumble and complain. Start. If your kids are adults 
Like you are the parent and you have a, a well enough relationship. They call you with a crisis, say, hey, can I pray for you really quick? Use the opportunity. Use the opportunity. That's what the scriptures say. Whether we're walking by the way, here or there, lead in the way of Christ. Enjoy. Take your family to church each week. Engage your family in serving within the church. Call your family to serve. Drag your children to serve. Make them serve. Go on a trip, a mission trip. Go serve in a soup. I don't care. Lead them in, in giving to others. Pray for your wife and your children with them and over them. Don't think, this is the point, don't think that your role as a father, as a provider, stops at making sure there's a roof over their heads and food on the table and clothes on the back. Because anybody can do that. First Timothy 5a, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith. Father's provider. And lastly, a father disciplines with love. Discipline is not a weapon to teach our kids who's boss. This is probably more younger fathers than it is older fathers, but discipline is not repayment for wrongdoing or punishment done in your anger or emotion. It's not giving the child what they deserve. Discipline is controlled, tempered, loving interference for the purpose of formation. Justin Early, in his book, Habits for the Household, called the readers to see discipline as a habit of discipleship. He calls discipline a habit for discipleship. It's what we do in love to shape our children to be more like Christ. It's training done out of love, for love, for purpose. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 again. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. The Lord disciplines those he loves. The Lord in love corrects, rebukes, admonishes, punishes in love those he loves for their good. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 says, God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. God, as a good father, uses discipline, though it may involve rebuke, though it may involve grave consequences, to guide us towards his holiness. God wants you to become like him. Be holy as I am holy. He calls us to be imitators of God. So he disciplines us out of love. And as God is our example, fathers are to do the same. So young father, ask yourself, or do you want mother? I'll throw you in there. I'll throw you in the mix here. Is what you're doing done out of emotion or out of love? I'll be first to admit there's times it's out of emotion. And I've had to go to my, my boys and apologize and say I was wrong. And I should not have done that. Father disciplines out of love. Discipline happens after abuse happens in the moment. 
So a father shows unconditional love, a father leads by example, a father provides for his family, a father disciplines with love, and in doing all those things, a father protects. A father protects. Jody showed me this uh, on Instagram this past week. Convicted child offenders, when they've been asked what kind of characteristics they look for in a child before targeting them, one such convicted offender, Jack Reynolds, said this in an interview, more than the characteristics of a child, he looked for the characteristics of a family. The first thing he mentioned is that if he perceived the father to be a threat, he stayed away. God, the scriptures say, is a good shepherd, Psalms 23, who tends to and protects his flock. If you remember Psalms 23, when, when David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, the staff was, had that hook on the end, was often used to ring in sheep when they're maybe getting too far away. You pull them out of a river. The rod was used as a way of protection. When a lion or a bear or a predator would come in, the shepherd would attack the predator, would protect. King David said to King Saul this. He says, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. Now, I'm not saying you're probably going to go chase a bear or a lion. No, I'd probably throw them another sheep or two, you know, like, stay away from my kids. Here's some sheep. But a good father is a good shepherd who rises to the defense and aid of his family. This means fathers speak up. This means fathers don't sit idly by. This means fathers engage in the life of their family. This means fathers are aware of what is happening around the life of their children. This means fathers know what their kids watch, what they listen to, who they hang out with, where they're going, what is happening in the world. Fathers need to be present. Now, for those of you who have older children, you can't control that. You can't control what your 40-year-old is watching or doing. You can't protect them in that manner. But you can be aware and you can pray. And you can speak. They may not listen to you. They may roll their eyes like they say, come on, Dad. Don't need to hear this again. But you should still, as a father, your role does not end when they walk out the door. Yes, the scriptures say that leave your father and your mother and cling to your wife. That's the role of the, of the, of the man. But it doesn't say, fathers, throw them to the wind. Be involved at a distance. Don't get too involved that they like move halfway around the country to get away from you. But be present. Be present. And maybe, maybe, just maybe when your kid has kids and they need help raising their kids or they need help monitoring their kids, you can step in because you have another opportunity. You have another chance to disciple. You have another chance to protect. You have another chance to provide. You have another chance to influence. That is a grace of God given to grandfathers that there's a second time around for you to be an influence into someone's life who will look up to you. How many of you have had an example from a grandfather that you look to as the example in your life? Right? I don't know how many stories I hear of people saying, my grandmother or my grandfather. There was an influence there. So your role does not end because your kid is 40 or 50. In fact, it's probably just beginning again. 
And maybe again, again, depending on if you're, you're getting up there. You got great, great grandkids. Fathers need to be present. Same culture that undervalues fathers and attacking the role of fathers and manhood in general is the same culture that's actively, aggressively seeking to radically form and groom our children. So here's what the scriptures say of God. Psalms 18 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I've been saved from my enemies. Proverbs 18. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Hebrews 13, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? A father protects. In loving unconditionally, the father protects the heart. In leading by example, the father protects the character. In providing physically, he protects the body. In providing spiritually, he protects the soul. In discipline, he protects the formation. So fathers, dads, you, following God's example, are under-shepherds in your home. There to love and to lead and to provide and to discipline and protect in love the sheep in your care. And your example is God himself, who loves unconditionally. In Christ leads by example. He provides, he disciplines, and he protects. So I want to close. I want to close and I want to call dads to step up and do more. To try harder. To go the extra mile. And that means killing the ego and the pride to lead your family. If at any moment the thought crosses your mind, well, that's not my, just stop. Just kill it. Because statistically, you could just do more. And the more you do to be involved in your family's life, the better off your family will be. Do more. Men, adult men, speaking to adult men in the room, step up and do more. Serve harder. Because there are people who need spiritual fathers. There are people who need men to fill the gaps, to be mentors in the way of Christ in their life. Paul called young Timothy a true son in faith. Peter referred to Mark, the gospel writer, as his son. You may not have a kid, but you can pour into someone's life. If men rose up and matured in faith, I believe more men, more men would come to Christ. Part of the maturity process and disciple issue in our churches is in our lack of programs. It's, it's people taking their place to lead and serve and mentor one another. So here's what I got. If you are an adult man with no kids, I want you to stand up for a moment. An adult man 
that does not have kids, take a stand. So you got a responsibility. You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to mature in faith. Because our world does not need men to serve themselves. Our world needs men full of faith and full of spirit. You can have a seat. Fathers, can you take another stand? Bless you. Bless you abundantly. Because regardless of your age and the age of your children, you have a huge responsibility. There is a weight on your shoulders. And I believe that the enemy is attacking fatherhood. And you may have felt that. You may have been on the other end of that. But I'm praying for God to bless you because what you do matters significantly. Significantly. It is enormous what you do. So step up. And listen, you may be the best father. You may be the greatest father since sliced bread, okay? You may be the, the, the God's gift to fatherhood, maybe the mantle that's on your shoulder, take it a step further. If that means that you need to look around this room and find someone else and say, I want to help you be a better father, then do so. If you are a father and you're like, I need, I need to do more, then look around the room, find some, another father and say, can you help me? Because we're better at doing this, what? Together, not alone. But that means we got to suck up our pride because we got a lot of it. We've got to let go of the ego because we've got a lot of it. Now I have a prayer I want to read for you. I want to read over you, and then we're going to close. So this is the prayer. If we, could, if we could pray this with me, and by with me, I don't mean reading the words. I mean agreeing with me in prayer. Lord, I thank you for all the fathers in this room, and I thank you for those that are not here today. I thank you for the example fathers give us at their best of sacrificial, other-centered love. Thank you for giving us fathers to be servant-hearted leaders in our homes, displaying both strength and humility. In this, we get a glimpse of your perfect sacrificial love for us, of your giving of yourself to the utmost for our sake, even when we deserved none of it. We get of your faithfulness to us, though we are disobedient children. So I pray that these fathers would find their worth and identity and hope first and foremost in being your child and being known by you and being loved by you and held by you. Protect them from making an idol out of their careers, their hobbies, even their fatherhood. Let themselves first and foremost be your children. Teach these fathers to seek you first. Build them up by the power of your Holy Spirit to be humble, wise, pure, diligent men of God Teach them to love their families, love their church, and love you. We pray that in their role as fathers, you would cause them to delight in their kids as you delight in us. 
Give them great patience and grace towards their children that they may not provoke them to anger. For those currently raising children in home, give them wisdom. Extend grace as they lead. Give them opportunities to point to your truth and grace in ways that their kids can understand. And may all of our children come to know, love, and trust you as we lead an example. May these fathers see the fruit of their labor and find joy in seeing their children grow and mature. As your grace and your spirit works in our families, we, may we extend your grace to those around us. May our families love and serve other families and individuals in this community. May our work to love and care for our families provide a compelling witness to the power and truth of your gospel. And may you bring others into your family through this witness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Fathers, you have an example in your heavenly father. And your example in your earthly father may not have been good. But there's a heavenly father who loves you and is with you and is able to equip you. Look to his example as dearly loved children. And may we all come to realize the importance of fathers. May we come to see that in a society that is breaking down and attacking the home and every role within the home, that dads matter. Dads make a difference. I pray, I pray that you take on that mantle of fatherhood. And to the young men, I pray, I pray that you accept the role of father when it comes to you and that responsibility and lead as the father leads you. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would bless and keep this church. I pray in Jesus' name that you would extend grace and let your presence guide this church. I pray in Jesus' name that you would let your face be before us. As we as a church adopt, God, the role that you have given each of us, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.